Excuse me, am I recording? Hey guys, this is Mike with Sharing in the Disruption Podcast. We are here discussing innovation and technology and how to invest in it and make lots of money. So listen up and let's get this started. guys this is mike with sharing in the disruption podcast and today um i'm going to be doing a briefer analysis of a company under the ticker saii that's the the spac that's um acquiring it and they have decided to acquire a company it's software acquisition uh software acquisition spac and they've decided to acquire a company called autonomo and this is a very interesting company in the space of collecting data on cars i think as we go towards um, autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles this uh there's going to be high relevance in collecting lots of data on cars and they have uh, multiple different ways of Getting revenue off of this so let's let's get into this and i am on autonomous website and in the investor relations section that's at the bottom there is um, a slide deck and i'm going through that now we have the founder and ceo is bin Volcow. This looks to be a Israeli company. Um, so Autonomo, uh, Autonomo, and the ticker for the SPAC again is SAII, is a leading automotive data services platform. And they're combining with that SPAC, who is investing. 172 million dollars cash spac is just a pile of cash essentially they form a, bl- a blank check company and they orchestrate a reverse merger the autonomo will be listed on the nasdaq under the symbol otmo but it's not on there yet it has raised 172 million in pipe um, primary and secondary funding uh, through other investors led by investors like Fidelity, um, BNP Paribas, some other um, some other big companies. Dell Technologies is involved. The post money enterprise value is 1.1 billion. Expected closing. They are estimating a revenue in 2025 of 574 million. And the equity value at closing of this company will be valued at 1.4 billion. The, it, this is a big thing to 
kick in uh, to factor, as I've said before, the existing Autonomo shareholders are expected to retain 72% of the original equity. So as is the case in a lot of these, not, not a ton of the company is in more of an IPO, usually is being floated onto the market. So individual investors will not have much of a say in this company. And I should note that this company does not make money of this time. They're not expected to make money, I think until at least 2023. They're supposed to start turning positive maybe. I think it might even go out to 24, 25. And I'll get down to that. They, they have a five-year business plan right here um, with $370 million of cash being infused. The, the transaction will be funded by a combination of the cash coming from the SPAC, held in a trust account, the the shares that people already have in Autonomo, cash on Autonomo's balance sheet, and proceeds from the pipe investors. The transaction, they're looking to close this deal. So when you invest in a pre closed deal as far as a SPAC goes uh, you could they could disband the company um, the SPAC could just not work out and then in that case the money would just be returned or they could change the acquisition target so it is not a sure thing and that's something you should understand uh, most of the time these do seem to be going through but uh, yeah I mean you're taking on more risk by investing really early when it's not under the ticker autonomo on the NASDAQ when it hasn't closed, but you also, um, with risk can come reward. You can get in on the cost being a lot cheaper, a lot of people being less aware of it, unless they're really following the specs. Usually there's kind of a, like a pop once um, a deal closes. They're, they're saying that they have a massive total addressable market underpinned by a combination of a lot of huge trends going on and that's important because they don't make money right now and they need to show that they really have a lot of opportunity for making a lot of money the they're saying new regulations in north america and europe uh, support the manufacturers having data access and sharing so that's the big thing is you want um regulations to be in support of this company you know where uber and lyft came into a lot of problems with regulations there's fast fast growth in volume and richness of car data driven by connectivity and new vehicle architectures the data unlocks new use cases across multiple in markets so they're constantly finding new uses for their data um they currently have 16 oem uh, meaning they have um, 16 partnerships with, uh, with companies that make cars with um, an installed base of over 40 million vehicles right now. It's pretty cool. Uh, that's good to see. They, they have partnerships with a lot of big companies, which you want to see in a company that does not make money and is trying to get a good valuation. You want to say, Okay, have they 
gain the confidence of a lot of big companies. They're they're saying they're uniquely positioned as a. This is all their opinion. So, uh, this this is what they're claiming to their investors. Uniquely positioned as a neutral marketplace, which is cool. Like this kind of like a the Roku idea is they kind of uh, help everyone and all boats rise together. A lot of these companies are trying to catch up into this. A lot of these car manufacturers have not been in this industry and they could develop. I mean, hypothetically, they could develop some of the stuff themselves, but a lot of times it's better to outsource it and allow them to leapfrog and catch up with a lot of technologies like Tesla and all of these other companies have been doing and the tech companies. They're uniquely positioned as a neutral marketplace, enable in customers versus competing with them. So like a Shopify is a neutral party. They're they partner with all these different companies with no bias uh, to just help them perform better and use their data better. They have real-time aggregation of data, normalization, and they enrich data across tens of millions of cars. They have software tools providing customers with secure extraction of insights and value from data, driving adoption through a suite of software tools and vertical specific applications. So you could just imagine so many things that uh, could be integrated. Like I already saw that they have partnerships with some EV chargers. Uh, I mean, they could figure out you know where people go regularly and give that data to advertisers or um let i mean let help people figure out where to locate uh auto service centers like pretty much like if if they know some behavior is happening or there's a problem with a car that could help a manufacturer they can pretty much get that data and the good thing is they make this data anonymous so it's not like a creepy like uh hmm, big brotherish kind of thing it's it's using the data to inform insights. It can be about smart cities and all kinds of different things, but it also isn't doesn't compromise the privacy of the people uh, providing the data. <clears throat> partnership driven go to market strategy facilitate growth and adoption through a powerful partnership model. They augment through direct sales and the self serve model. They, they're saying that one of the things that makes them a good company is that they have hyper growth revenue model and they have a good market position, that there's not many competitors. They combine transactional model with a growing software as a service business, so recurring revenue versus also selling some of the data, maybe like kind of a la carte. So, they're ex so EBITDA, expected EBITDA break break even so when they become profitable they're expecting is 2024 at least they have an end date i mean uber has been around for like 10 years they're still not profitable so this company is saying they're going to be and they should have a very uh capital not a non-capital intensive business so once they really first that with a lot of these companies a lot of these companies that do software as a service they start putting their stuff out for free I mean, it's not like it, there's a big upfront cost to developing software, and then they usually start giving it for free. You think about like when you first download apps, like they don't have much ads. 
they're super user friendly and they're free. And then over time they start, you start noticing you're like, Oh, like I could tell they're making money now because they're, they have more ads or they, um, they're starting to charge. Like they maybe limit some of the features in the free, uh, the free accessible stuff and try to push you into a paid, uh, paid subscription model. So, I mean, that's, that's why it takes a little while for some of these companies, but these companies really shouldn't have much overhead as far as money that they're, they're putting in. So break even in 2024, the, here's their mission statement again. So we're clear what they do. They harness immense potential of automotive data by allowing thousands of organizations across a broad range of in markets, um, to so everybody that interacts with that car uh, to seamlessly access, explore, analyze, and unlock the full data potential. We aim to provide new monetization avenues for um, OEMs across the ecosystem and significantly enrich the data experience for users. Do, do, do. So they have data centers founded in 2015, HQ in Israel. They have 70 employees. 26 pending and granted patents. They have 16 OEM agreements. 40 million connected cars right now. 4.3 billion data points per day. The global reach is 130 commercial engagements, 150 data parameters. Um, so here's some of their partners. So strategic investors include Aptive, uh, which is... They do a lot with uh, cars and autonomy. Avis Budget Group, rental cars. Dell Technologies, Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi, SKF. Uh, what is that? I forgot what company that is. Tech partners they have is Amazon, Salesforce, and Microsoft. So, I mean, a lot of recognizable companies are kind of involved right now. They expect to be in 95% of new cars by 2022. In Israel, they expect to be 100% of new cars sold again near 2024. Is China? I think they're saying in China, um, China or Japan. Uh, 2025, they just have a symbol. Sorry, I'm not as up on my flags as I should be. I think that's Japan, actually. Uh, 2025, 90% of new cars sold. They have whatever a red circle is. <laughs> but um, I know the Israeli flag. Uh, project, projected car stats, 25 gigabyte gigabits of projected data at, per hour per car. The 850 million connected vehicles. By 2030, they want their revenue pool from car data monetization to be 450 to 750 billion dollars. So, by 2030 their total addressable market 450 to 750 billion dollars they hope. And at that point at maturity, right now marketplace marketplace, I guess where they have a marketplace for certain points of data um, is 100% of their revenue. But by 2030, they want it to only to be 20 billion out of 70 billion. 
and 50 billion to be in software as a service so that recurring revenue and not just one-offs of data or just bits of data at a time. Um, they, they kind of have a process for how they work with different companies and they just talk about how they have direct consumers and those are people that just um, directly buy their data or like insights, uh, Avis Budget Group, TomTom, Bloomberg, Continental, Waycare, Yandex, all of those kind of companies. If indirect consumers um, indirectly use their data, Salesforce, Amazon, Microsoft, Active, stuff like that. Technology partners, Amazon, Microsoft, and then uh, vehicle manufacturers that they're going to work with, Kia, Toyota, Nissan, uh, Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi, GM, Daimler, Bobcat, BMW Group, Ford. So notice Tesla's not in there. So a lot of these companies are playing catch up in this whole space. It's new for them. So Autonomo is helping them to get a lot of those data points and to move their cars into being more tech savvy. Um, let's see, so commercial use cases uh, driving the market include insurance, and I think this is big. They could, um, the way Autonomo can help with insurance, uh, better policyholder experience through behavioral analysis and accidental reconstruction. That's crazy. Like insurance companies can buy this data, um, monitor how much to charge somebody based on how, how safe they are. That's kind of what a company called Metro, Metro Mile or Root Insurance does. They um, are able to monitor the driving habits and charge accordingly. Autonomo can help like a traditional, um, traditional uh, insurance company know how to price, know how safe someone is. So. Maybe a, a traditional, say like a Geico doesn't even want to invest in some of those new technology. They could be like, hey, Autonomo, how how safe does this car drive so that we can get a quote out and charge them? If they're a reckless driver, we're going to charge them a lot more money um, and they can get that those data points. So they're kind of selling off these pieces of data. Uh, smart cities, reduction of congestion and pollution through traffic flow and route management. I mean, I think that's really cool. Uh, ways that we could make cities more efficient to navigate through and where to build certain infrastructure. Fleet services, improved fleet management driven by GPS, vehicle tracking, and remote diagnostics. So let people know maybe where to put all of those down or put uh, oil, um, oil change or allow Tesla to know where to put EV chargers or EVgo, the electric charging company. Um, just where to cite things and where, where they would be used the most. Um, if you know somebody's, if you know like 100 cars are at a low charge point in this one location and there's not an electric charger, they can know to put one there because it seems like batteries are low in that area very commonly. Transportation, incorporation of car data into active traffic management tools. So it could work with like stop uh, stoplights and all kinds of stuff. That's cool. Uh, financial enhanced risk management possibilities and offering of new financial services. 
financials. Is, uh, fintech is a huge area right now. Um, I'm not sure how they would work into that. Dealerships, predictive vehicle maintenance, and vehicle health indicators. Flipping through some stuff. They've been highlighted by a lot of uh, big news publications. I don't really care about that too much. Um, so Autonomo collects over 150 real-time and historical data parameters. Mobility, they collect data on vehicle ID, trip distance, odometer, ignition, engine status, GPS, speed, vehicle category. So you just see like how many things this company knows about vehicles and how it might be useful to customers. Uh, behavioral, so it's, it's learning on behaviors of all these different cars. As far as what media infotainment people are consuming, blinker statuses, brake pedal pressure. I mean, that could be used for um, road design and like, oh, are people having to brake too quick? Um, all kinds of stuff. Wheel position, accelerometer, horn status, all useful stuff for insurance companies. Outdoor, indoor temperature, windshield wiper status. Diagnostic, they can know engine temperature, RPM, time pressure, oil level, gear position, fuel level, EV battery level, coolant temperature. Jeez, this is a, yeah, they know a lot of stuff. Safety, airbag status, door status, seatbelt status, ADAS, hard brake, harsh acceleration, sharp turns. So I just wanted to highlight how much stuff they're collecting and how useful this is. You can imagine why this. Data is like the new oil. This company is mining a heck out of some data. There's so many data points that can come from a vehicle, just like your smartphone, that can be useful to companies. And this company is just mining that, packaging up, selling it off, or having that recurring revenue uh, from the use of that data. So they they collect a bunch of data. They nor normalize it. This is a process. They um, kind of... Uh, consolidate it, they blur it, that's a big part, blur data to remove personal identifiers. So anonymity, so I think that um, that's something people care a lot about is privacy. Uh, they clean the data. This, I mean, data analysts would know a lot more about this stuff than, than all, the regular of us. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what goes into all the, the different stuff. But they enrich it with external locations like geolocation. They aggregate it, billions of data points, to optimize routes and options. I mean, Waze, Waze collects a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, and so I guess they'll, they'll be helpful like Waze too. Um, they, they pretty much recompile it. Um, once unified, they... Uh, they have it in kind of like one data stack. Now, um, trying to get through the most useful stuff. I do like that it's um, anonymous. So they, they compare their competitors. You want to know who could come out of nowhere and, um, and win this competition because you're like, they're not the only ones probably in this. They claim that there's... So they got a chart with them, competitor one, a competitor that they don't list, out of Britain. They say competitor two out of Germany. 
and then technology vendors like Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Amazon, which I would think would be some of their biggest competitors uh, that would want to be in the space. Because, you know, they have the cloud. That, that's who I would be most concerned about, being threatening to their business model. Uh, neutrality, they're saying they're, uh, they have full neutrality. Their competitor in Britain uh, has some, but not full. Their one in Germany has like uh, partial neutrality. And then their uh, the technology the technology vendors have no neutrality. So they, they say they're the best in neutrality. Uh, as far as OEM partnerships, they have 16. So their competitor in Britain has two to three. The one in Germany has three. And technology vendors don't have any. I find... I don't know. I feel like I've, I mean, Google Android is in like a lot of cars. I don't know why they wouldn't be collecting any data points. Um, number of cars, uh, 40 million, 40 million for Autonomo, 10 million, about 10 million for the British one, uh, Germany, the 12 point, about 12.5 million. And it said zero for the technology vendors. Globality, they said they're global. The British one is, somewhat German one is somewhat and technology vendors are full global they collect 150 plus data parameters British one is eight FCD I don't know what FCD stands for what's FCD stand for fleet floating car data timestamp geolocalization and speed data okay um so yes it eight uh the British company gets eight, uh, eight points of data that are geolocalized and speed, um, like have speed tags to them. The German company is 20 data points. That's still, I find it hard to believe. They're saying tech vendors are zero. Uh, use cases, aggregate, personal, and fleet. British is aggregate. German is aggregate and personal, and tech vendors are personal. Technology capabilities, they say they have the most, um, along with the technology vendors, and then the British and the German, uh, like a quarter of what they have. Go-to-market partners, they're saying they have the most go-to-market partners. So for what it's worth, they are so here's their projected growth that in um 2018 they they had five five million million vehicles that they worked with projected base growth uh five million vehicles that they worked with so 2019 they had 18 million so they tripled uh by 2020 they had 40 so about doubling 2021 86 about doubling starts slow uh 2022 they're gonna have 132 going up to 258 by 2025 so they're saying between now 
and 2025 they're going to 6.5x and like between uh this year next year grow by 113 percent but they're saying this is going to be like their peak growth year or i guess well i mean law of small numbers actually 20 2019 was their biggest growth year by 260 percent but so obviously as a company scales it, it grows slower uh but interesting thing is right now you have 56 million cars are their revenue is in the kind of the the a la carte oh that's 50 okay 56 existing oems and okay so uh 56 uh, million is their existing and then this year they're gonna have 30 additional OEMs they add on. The so they're counting like getting additional OEMs and then also the OEMs they already have bringing more cars online. Uh, that's how that grows. They are trying to expand the addressable markets. Let's let's get into the their financials and then we'll close out. The um, I mean, so they're just projecting that they're going to grow really fast, and they compare themselves to other software companies that are kind of close, and they say certain points that they feel that they're better suited to um, to address. There's certain points that they're uh, growing slower than other companies in, but um, I really want to see when when they're going to become profitable, but they do compare themselves somewhat to some companies like, let's see, Cloudflare, Twilio, Zoom, a lot of different software companies, and they kind of show in comparison that their revenue from 23 to 25 is going to grow much faster. A lot of these companies are growing around 25 to 30 percent. They're saying their revenue is going to grow 142 percent. Um, their revenue multiple will be 1.9 times, while a lot of these uh, these software companies are selling at a premium multiple of like 19 times, 20 times earnings 10 times earnings so they're saying you know it's going to be it's a good value the profit margin they're saying their profit margin is a little lower than some of these software companies uh they're 60 percent there'll be a 60 percent profit margin by 2025 uh in 2022 a lot of these software companies are 77 between like 73 and 77 percent profit margin um as far as gross profits go um, they're saying they will have about 3.2 times uh, gross profits while the software companies have between 18 and 27 percent uh, so I'll get into real quick when when we're gonna see these guys come profitable that's really important um, especially if you're gonna pay up for them and they're being valued at a billion 
the let's see total revenue 2020 was 0.4 the millions right assuming that's the millions 0.4 million dollars uh 2021 is three million dollars i mean they really are not making much money all right now um yeah 2020 was like nothing uh so this is the first year they're really starting to sell more data uh so you're talking their total revenue Three million for 2021. 2022 jumps to 24 million. By 2025, 574 million for. Um, and right now, marketplace is 100% of their money. So next, uh, this year, they're saying it's only going to be 80%, and 20% is going to come from software as a service. And that's where their uh, price, their money generated, starts really coming in. Uh, and by 2025, they expect it to be 50-50 as far as, like, half software as a service and half um, marketplace. Their margin, uh, negative until 2022, they said. Research and development, I like seeing this. Research and development is so important. I'd rather, I'd love for them to spend a lot of money on that. Uh, that keeps their products relevant and helps them stay ahead of competition. They had $5 million in research and development last year, 12 this year. They're consistently doubling that until 2022. So they're going to go up to spend $55 million a year, 2025. So they're increasing their R&D every single year. Sales and marketing. And obviously, you got to have that uh, to reach more people. They're increasing that every year. It's something you just have to do. It's inevitable. Uh, growth acquisition, they will be uh, spending more and more money on that every year until, yeah, until 20, 2025. It's just increasing every year. And then EBITDA, that shows when they become profitable. Uh, they lost $11 million last year. $22 million predicted this year, 43 next year. And it looks like it tops out in 2023 losing $45 million, um, which in perspective, there's been quarters where Uber lost like $5 billion. So it's not so bad as long as they're well-financed. So 2024, they say they're going to start being profitable. $4 million um, EBITDA. And then suddenly, rocket ship. 2025, saying $118 million EBITDA. But this is all yet to be proved. Uh, their margin, they're gonna, not really going to start making money until 2024. So 1% margin in 2024, and then 21% margin in 2025. So this is like one you just take a chance with. And if it really plays out, then... Um, you have to think, like, is this a really good space? I do believe it's a good space. Um, but you kind of take them at their word that they're the best in the space and, you know, taking a chance with them. It's a high-risk play, so I really wouldn't put a ton of money into it. 
maybe between one and three percent of your money. Um, I would say more towards one. Uh, but you know, you want to take a bigger risk, then I do believe this is a really good play because you know everybody's trying to predict the self-driving cars and who's going to win that space, who's going to uh, win the EV space, and I think of this as you know, like everybody's trying to predict streamers like Netflix or Disney Plus or Peacock. And it's like my favorite investment all along has been Roku because they're neutral. They provide data and access for a lot of these. This to me is exciting because it's like the Roku of cars. It's kind of a pick and shuffle, honestly. Um, in that, you know, as I believe, like if you were investing in the dot com bubble area, you lost probably lost a lot of money if you had money in specific areas. But you know, if you had your money like spread out among some different companies, a few of those companies might have been like Amazon or you know the internet bubble. The internet worked out as a whole, I'd say. Um, so I mean, there's going to be a lot of losers in the space of autonomy and cars and lidar and all these different things people are trying to get into and speculate about i would say the biggest losing investment is probably investing in a car manufacturer which seems to be the hottest thing to do it's they have the lowest margins and it's very hard as i think tesla's highlighted with them almost going bankrupt um it's very hard to like anybody. Elon said this. Anybody can just like make a car, but it's easy to make a like a model or like a kind of a concept car, and then say like what you're gonna do. But the challenge comes in, and all these people are investing in these car electric cars based off of like seeing a video about it or like a a model that was built and show off like one a one-off and then they're like oh we're gonna build a bunch of these and that's where the challenge comes in is when you start having to mass produce and tesla was not in crazy bad shape until they really like started trying to go through model three when they had to scale up from doing these more luxury like low production cars to doing a mass production car. And that's when it gets really tough. And so who wants to play that game? Why not play into a stock like this where, um, I mean, they don't have a lot of capital expense. They have some good partners and they really are just kind of benefiting from the trend towards automation, data, being in cars and that whole autonomous electric car trend as a whole and as long as that whole ship, the whole, as long as that whole ocean rises, then this company should do well. As long as it can um, be formidable against any like incumbents that come in in this specific territory, like they have to be concerned about other. If they're Roku, they have to be concerned with like another Roku type company coming in. Um, which I think their biggest threat is that someone, if if this has that much addressable market. They really have to establish themselves right now and really get a foothold and make a moat for themselves because as soon as, as we've seen, as soon as Amazon or Google or 
Apple or somebody realizes how much money is to be made in a certain area, and you know they love data, they I think they would be a big acquisition target for one of those companies if they weren't under anti, antitrust scrutiny. But as soon as they really get their eyes set on something, they can just destroy. Um, hopefully, they would partner with them. But we, we all know they want more data for the cloud, their cloud and all this. So I think that's their biggest threat, honestly. It's not some British company that does this or some German company. It's the big tech companies. But the good thing is big tech is so spread out that it seems like they can't focus on things sometimes. Uh, so this company's got to move fast and break things. <laughs> it's got to move real fast, establish themselves. And I think they have a chance. Like Roku, against all odds, has established themselves in their space. Like Amazon has their Fire Stick. Google has a TV um, adapter like Google Chromecast. And I mean, there's all these major competitors have come in. Apple TV. And who would have thought that Roku would be whooping all of them in that space? Who would have thought Netflix would be beating out Amazon, Apple TV? So it's possible. You just really have to have good partners and you have to have a vision and you have to give a compelling argument. But then again, one thing I will say about this doesn't seem like it's as much a customer facing interface. Um, in the case of Netflix and Roku, I think you've really had customers themselves voting for with their dollars and they're just like, hey, this is a better product. But, um, you know, they're, these guys seem to be more of a B2B company. And in that case, it's not the consumer of the car really picking them. And I think that can be problematic because, you know, they, it's probably easier to connect emotionally to a customer than it is to like Roku and Netflix were able to do than to maybe a, a business that's really just kind of, okay, who's going to do this the cheapest? <laughs> and like, you know, if Ford is work, say Ford's using Android uh, as their customer interface or whatever, and Android's like, hey, look, we can bundle our data services that, um, uh, that this, this company offers, that Autonomo offers just with our Android system. We'll just throw it in there. Or we'll charge you like barely any extra. Um, that that's where I think you could have some major problems. Uh, just you know, uh, like I've worked for companies before, and they literally get a spreadsheet, and they're like, okay, let's get three quotes, and we're gonna pick <laughs> the cheapest within reason, as long as it's not sacrificing too much quality. So they could. I think my assessment is they could carve themselves out a niche, but they definitely have to do it fast. And they really have to make a compelling argument. Um, they have to be very compelling and just do it the best possible because I think these tech companies could come in and eat their lunch if they're not careful. So that's my assessment is, you know, I think it's a very interesting opportunity. I'll probably like put a little money into them, uh, but not too much because I don't want to be at too much risk. So thanks, guys. And, um, yeah, I am just – Going down the list, I'm banging out a lot of these specs. I want to tell you, there's going to be some of these are garbage. I'm going to start rating them, actually. I would give this one, 
we're going to do a rating system between one and ten. And so my assessment of this company, I really do like them. I think they have a good model. Uh, I'll get them an eight. I'll get them an eight on my scale. Um, eight being pretty good, or really good. I really like the concept. I really think they could be super successful, but I can't get them close to 10 because I do think it's um, vulnerable. I think it could be vulnerable uh, to some of these big tech companies. So it remains to be proven and they're not, they're not, um, they're not profitable. So there's, there's an element of risk and I, 10 would almost be a no risk company, <laughs> but so Probably unlikely to have a 10 as a spec. But uh, I'll, I'll give them an 8, 7 or 8. All right. Well, uh, thanks, guys, and I'll get to the next podcast soon.